Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Carson City. 
So you saw a new Senate Majority Leader, Aaron Ford, and you saw a new Speaker of Assembly, Jason Fierson, both from Southern Nevada. We also have 15 freshmen uh, beginning the 63. As you know, we have 42 Assembly members and 21 State Senators. We affectionately call them the Gang of 63. Um, so out of that 63, you had 17 freshmen, and then you had five folks who had taken a break. Either they chose not to run last cycle, or they lost the election, or something like that. So you really had 22 people who were not in the building last session in 2015, when the Republicans controlled both houses. So you had about a third changeover, which is significant, and that's because really these are term limits. As you know, in the mid-90s, Nevada, by constitutional amendment, impose term limits in legislative bodies. So you can do 12 years in the Senate and 12 years in the Assembly. So you can still do 24 years, but you're starting to see folks not stay in Carson City that long. They're doing maybe two or three terms and that's it. Um, so you're losing a lot of institutional history. So you're starting to have to have a lot more conversation the same dialogue that we had a session previously on. So that was a dynamic change. And then also the governor was in his, is in his last legislative session. So um, you know he's up, he's not, he's turned down, he can't run for re-election. So a lot of folks typically consider a governor at this point to be a lame duck. And I will tell you at the beginning of this presentation, Governor Sandoval was not a lame duck. Um, so he showed perseverance and leadership through the whole session. So the chamber went to the session knowing we had to create the story of why business matters. Many of you in this room are in private business. You either own your business, you work for a business, you're in the private sector. And we knew going into that the session, we had to tell the story of why the business community matters, what employers do for our state, how we work with our employees, and why our folks constantly try to do the right thing as members of the business community and members of the Chamber of Commerce. And we knew, with so many freshmen, we have to tell the story. Because what we're seeing in Carson City is something that's a little concerning, is we're seeing a lot of folks coming in from D.C., from either DNC or RNC, and saying, well, this is how we do it in D.C., this is really how we have to do it here in Nevada. And I will tell you, as a Nevada, with the high school here, you know, growing up here, Nevada does things our way. We are libertarian spirit, but we also want to be able to do the right things for our folks. So there is, no, there is a changing tide in Carson City about bringing these national think tanks in and saying, well, this is what they do in California, this is what they do in New York, and that's great for those states, but this is not New York, it's not California, it's Nevada. Um, and I would argue our state really has three parts. We have Southern Nevada, Northern Nevada, and rural Nevada. Three very different needs, three very different dynamics, and that's one of the interesting conversations that we had during the legislative session. So the Chamber really focused its legislative agenda on these four principles. Many of you get the Chamber Magazine, the Business Voice, so in the February issue you saw why business matters. We laid out the four general principles, what we support, and what was driving our legislative agenda. And these really are simple concepts that we know our members support through our government affairs committee, through our membership engagement process. You want less regulatory burden. You don't want to have more regulations to do your business. You want more efficiency in government because if government's more efficient, your costs go down. Uh, we, want to, we want to keep investing in our workforce. We know our economy is evolving. We have Tesla, we have Apple, we have Amazon, we have Google. We have uh, all these companies coming into the state. They want a more educated workforce, which we know is important, of course. And finally, you want to keep it local. You want to keep it Nevada. You want an opportunity to do business here in your state, in your city, in your county. And those are our four general principles going into this legislative session. Very simple concepts, broad-based, bipartisan perspective. Um, so this is kind of, these are kind of the things we did in Carson City to keep folks updated with what was going on. We know communication is absolutely important uh, from Carson City because we are 500 miles away from our state capital. Um, and of course, law folks are in Vegas. So we made sure for our membership we had the rundown, which is the weekly newsletter. We had the Paul call for our members. We had the Carson City call. 
you had social media, and social media has become a huge thing in the state capital. How many of you folks here are on Twitter? A lot, right? So the amazing thing in hearings was that we see social media is really taken over in Carson City about the policy arguments. Folks are no longer saying, well, I read a white paper. No, they're like, well, I saw on Twitter, or I Googled. That's great. So let's go back to the policy conversation. But social media absolutely is impacting the way folks are viewing things and having hearing from their constituents. If there's a bill on minimum wage, and there's a hearing going on, the legislator will say, well, I just got a social media tweet from my constituent, or I got this on social media. Social media is definitely a new format of how folks are engaged in Carson City. I would say it's disproportionate, of course, because business owners are running their businesses, and they don't have time to sit there all day long and tweet. Uh, but legislators do. They'll sit and hear things and tweet from the hearing. And I'm like, are you not listening to the testimony because you're tweeting? But, you know, some of that entertainment in Carson City. But, um, so this is kind of what the chamber, I know it's a little hard to read, but this is where the chamber kind of works with all these business groups in Carson City. Um, we work with the Retail Association, the Nevada Mining Association, we work with the Auto Dealers, the Urban Chamber, the Latin Chamber, the Banking Association, the AGC, NFIB, the Reno Sparks Chamber of Commerce, the Trucking Association, the Home Builders. We connect all these groups in Carson City. And you ask, well, how is that possible? Why are you doing it? Well, the Chamber of Commerce is a broad-based organization, right? We have over 50 different industries, we have over 4,000 members, we have employed 40 million employees in the state of Nevada. So when we work with the Retail Association, we're able to get their perspective on retail matters and taxation. We talk to trucking, we talk to them about regulatory concerns on traffic and, uh, and, and fuel tax indexing. We talk to the construction guys, they're, they're concerned about <coughs> construction defects, and auto dealers on commerce tax. So the chamber really is a nexus that put, that brings the business community together. And we're extremely proud of the relationships we've built with all these trade groups in the state capital and help the business community in this session become more unified than ever before. Many of you are probably involved in a lot of these groups, and each one of them brings a unique perspective when we're talking about the business community, the economic climate, um, which is extremely important because the Chamber has a perspective, but we rely on our partners to really deep dive into these issues as we work together in the state capital. Um, these were kind of our leadership roles and how we help convene folks. We have business and chamber trade group meetings every single week in Carson City, trying to get 20, 25 heads of all the business groups in the building for an hour and sit down and lunch it over. It matters, it's not an easy task, uh, but we do it. We also had calls with the Latin Chamber, the Urban Chamber, because they're in Vegas. We have our Political Affairs Committee, and we also have our Government Affairs Committee that made up of our members that give the staff the direction what they want done in Carson City. The Chamber is a membership-based organization. We're run by our volunteers. The staff executes on their direction, but we 100% listen to our members. We're there to serve you as our members and the business community. Uh, this is our approach to legislation in the session, really two general concepts. We support bills that foster economic development job creation. And we oppose bills that hinder economic development, that add unnecessary burdens and regulations, and increase costs um, to, to uh, businesses. For two very general guidelines of how we look at all those bills. So when we start going through those thousand bills, that's how we start going through those. Those two parameters, and that's how we start breaking them down. Um, these are some of the bills that the Chamber posed on behalf of the business community. And I will say in this session, I, you know, we testified on 109 bills. The Chamber posed a little over 50 bills. That is a lot when the Chamber Conference opposed that many bills. And this is a sample of some of the bills that we opposed and we were successful in defeating. These bills did not become law. Um, you have school construction tax, you have repeal collective bargaining, you have prevailing wage mandates, banning on fracking, minimum wage increases, employment discrimination. All these were killed by the Chamber of Commerce, either through working with legislative leadership or the governor vetoing bills. 
So pretty impressive um, a, a number of bills that were introduced. But successful from the Chamber of Commerce that we were able to maintain the business community where you're at. We made a commitment going in that there would be no harm done to business in this session. That was a pledge by our Chairman Bill Noonan from Board Gaming. Um, so you saw these bills all had hearings. They all were going through the process. You had employment damage against employers. You had workers' comp. You had the banning of plastic bags for commerce. You had uh, mandatory paid sick leave. Uh, you had construction defect repeal. All these would increase your cost in the business community. And again, all these bills were killed off uh, by the chamber working with our partners, uh, which were pretty, uh, pretty proud we were able to accomplish this. On the Senate side, these are some of the bills that definitely would have impacted businesses to a high level. Um, SB 106 was the minimum wage increase bill, the increase minimum wage in the state. In our state, our minimum wage is um, 725 to 825. But in Nevada, if you look at our, mid, our, mode, our mode and median rates, they're $16 and $20. Nevada employers are paying way above the minimum wage. The Chamber of Commerce did not feel this was an appropriate item at this time to bring forward when, when our state is paying above the minimum wage. A mandatory sick leave. Many of you here have to provide sick leave to your employees, correct? And you use that as incentive to recruit folks. Say, hey, I offer two weeks of vacation, or offer three weeks, or four weeks. That helps you attract more employees to your company, right? You may not be offering the highest salary, but a lot of employees will say, well, I want two or three weeks off, right? Well, this idea came from California. And so, this idea was going to mandate a formula of how many hours you were to provide on sick leave. The Chamber of Commerce came to the table, we tried fixing it, and then Dave could not, and we said, you know what, we're going to have to this bill. And we worked with Governor Sandoval, and that bill got vetoed. This would have created a new chapter of labor law in the state that is not needed. And the Chamber was extremely pleased that we were able to get this killed off on the benefit of our members. Um, you also saw employment employer marijuana oversight. As, as everybody knows, the marijuana is now, legal, is now legal in Nevada as of July 1st. The Chamber of Commerce did not get the argument about is marijuana morally right or wrong. We got involved in bills that impacted you as an employer. And we ensured that as an employer, you still have the power of your own employee handbook that would you could dictate to your employees if they could you know, use recreational marijuana or not, if that you were able to do drug testing on that or not, or workers' comp claims. We were involved in that perspective. If you want to say, because you're a trucking company, that your employees are not show up high to work, you have the right to reprimand them. And that was why we got involved with some of the marijuana bills. We did not get involved with dispensaries and stuff like that. We stuck strictly to the employer side. And that's what gives the Chamber of Commerce a lot of credibility for our city. We don't get involved in social matters or criminal justice matters. We stay very much focused on the business sector of things. We look at how we get involved. We stay very focused on the business perspective and how it impacts our taxpayers and our employers and our employees. So again, all these bills were killed off. And you can see there's a lot of veto bills from the governor on these lists. And as, again, Governor Sandoval and his staff was phenomenal to work with with the Chamber of Commerce and the rest of the business community. Um, the end result is, though, there were, off the list I just showed you, there's 25 bills that are directly would have impacted businesses in Nevada. That's a lot. When you're thinking from the employer side, I have a bill that increases minimum wage. I have a bill that increases employment discrimination fines from $5,000 to $25,000, and I have a mandatory sick leave. Those three things are huge. I mean, we're not talking about a dollar here or a dollar there. When you're talking about a small business, and you have a fine, and an employee files a false claim and says, I've been discriminated as a $25,000 fine, how many of you here could probably afford to live over a $25,000 fine? I'm going to argue not many. The current state law for all fines is $5,000. And the Chamber of Commerce feels that $5,000 per violation is fair, appropriate, but $25,000 is excessive. That would be the highest, some of the highest in the country. 
So if you have a small business, you have a fine, you get 25,000, you're probably close. And a lot of times, let's be honest, you guys are focusing on keeping your business open, right? And mistakes do happen at times. And that was our argument, that small businesses not, should not be punished. They should be, they should be able to operate the way they've been operating. We have a lot of books on the laws. We don't understand why we want to create new, new penalties just because a think tank in DC thought that was a good idea. Again, the Nevada perspective is extremely important. And our members, we surveyed them, we emailed them, and a lot of you are members. You participate in our service. You say, listen, I provide safety. I pay above minimum wage. I don't think these bills are perfect. So your voices were definitely heard by the governor and by legislators in the building. And a lot of the governor's veto messages, he specifically mentioned the Chamber of Commerce and four veto messages for why he vetoed those bills. That's unprecedented. In 40 years of tracking these from our organization, no governor's ever mentioned this trade group before why he vetoed a bill. So the chamber promised our membership and our business community is statewide that we would make sure you were not harmed in Carson City. Um, there are a couple of bills we did work with that we originally opposed and we were able to get neutral because we knew they were important to the folks in Nevada. Uh, there is now SB 253 and SB 361, which is the Nevada Pregnant Workers Fairness Act and the Domestic Violence Workers League Program. These, are, these do not require you to pay for these league programs. They do require you to provide time, but they can be unpaid. Originally, these were going to be paid leave requirements. We worked with the bill sponsor of the governor's office to be able to get to those where they're not unfended mandates on businesses. Um, so we, were, we do come to the table and we do address issues where we can work together on. Um, these are bills that were supported by the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, there are a lot of small business bills that actually come out this session that help. So if you're a small business, uh, there's AB94, the Nevada Grow Program, and it works with CSN. We were able to preserve some proposed non-compete bills in AB 276. Um, AB 280 creates a state bidding preference, uh, which is helpful for, for folks. A uh, small business loan program, SB 8436. For those in the film tax industry, there's new credits available now, $20 million in the biennium. Uh, cybersecurity and then small business loan programs uh, are also available. Um, SB 126 is a new bill uh, that provides a million dollars um, for corporations to a small business that will allow you to access those dollars, microloans for capital improvement projects and so forth, equipment upgrades. Senator Ford brought that bill forward. And those in construction, SB246 is the CMAR bill, which will uh, help the convention center with their building projects um, and public entities and so forth. So there are bills we said yes to. Um, don't worry, let you think we did not say yes to some things. <laughs> uh, but it was a very hectic session. Um, but these are this is a list of uh, bills that are engaged in the Southern Nevada Forum. I think a lot of you were engaged in the Southern Nevada Forum or heard about it. These bills came out from Southern Nevada uh, over the interim period, and these were a list of the bills that were signed by the governor from federal grants to regionalization of mental health boards to creation of infrastructure banks, uh, RTCA legislation for light rail, uh, public private partnerships, the medical school at UNLV. A lot of you, of course, are familiar with the medical school. Two years ago, we got it created. Now we've got $25 million more from the state because of a private anonymous donor donated $25 million in the new building that happened in the last few days of the session. And CSN also got planning money for the new health sciences building. All these are important to workforce development um, and career development items. And when you think about all the technologies involved in these bills, the teacher, the teacher licensing bill for more teachers coming to Nevada, the workforce development, the public-private partnerships, all this is really talking about moving this economy forward and this community. I know obviously Mike is involved with LBG as his daytime employer. They're engaged with all these bills too. Because there's a common belief we have to move our education system forward. We have to have accountability measures. 
But we also have to have to have the right tools available from the state perspective and the local government perspective to allow businesses to do that. Um, there are a couple things also put on your radar. Um, there are two constitutional changes that may be of interest to folks in this room. There is a constitutional amendment uh, to change the minimum wage to $40 an hour. The governor cannot uh, veto a resolution, um, so that's why the chamber could not stop this. We did make the cases, but with the Democrat control, unfortunately, we're not able to pull off any Democrats to stop this. Um, so this shows you what it would look like. It has to go back to the legislative session in 19, and then it would go to the vote of the people in 2020. And if it passes by 50%, 50 plus 1, it becomes a new state law. This would be one of the highest ones in the country, um, and a great concern to the Chamber of Commerce. This is something our government affairs committee will probably oppose, will oppose, continue to oppose. And if it goes to the ballot, we can be assured the Chamber of Commerce will fight this to the ballot um, in 2020. Another one is uh, constitutional change to property tax, SGR 14. Many of you probably heard that that has a very complicated property tax structure. Um, we have high tax location in the past years. Brookings has looked at it, and we've all agreed you guys have the most unique, screwed up tax structure in the state, country. Right? Thanks for telling us in the video. Um, so this has been brought forward. The chamber was monitoring this. Um, it would reset the depreciation computation, uh, computation value when a sale of property occurs. This is a big deal for folks. Um, so we want folks to be aware of it. Again, this has to go back to the legislative body in 2019, and then the vote of the people by 2020. Folks are, are proponents of this will argue but the only way to fix the Nevada's property tax structure is a constitutional amendment. Um, anything you see in law is minor. Um, so expect this to be a huge debate in 19, and then definitely to the ballot in 2020. I would argue that this will be a very passionate debate in 2020 to the ballot, because it is not just commercial, it's also residential. And the Chamber of Commerce has taken the position, if you want to fix property tax, you just can't put on business. But we don't, we will study this, we'll review this, but be aware, this will impact residential. I want to give full disclosure to folks to keep this on your radar. Um, so again, a couple next steps for your folks. Um, your ballot questions coming in um, every single cycle. We're seeing a lot more uh, with the initiative petition process. Um, so when you are at the grocery store, you see folks saying, hey, I want to sign you up. And they want to sign you up for either minimum wage or for uh, property tax. Read the whole measure. They have to show you all the language. If they refuse to do so, please report to the Secretary of State's office. Um, you're going to see a lot more of those. They have to collect about 135,000 signatures uh, to qualify for those ballot measures. 2018 election cetera. Today was a great day, actually. My timing is perfect. Today is the first day that legislators can start calling you and asking you for money. Uh, their blackout period ended at midnight tonight, last night, I mean. So they can start calling you up and be like, hey, Mike, it's Senator so-and-so. I'd like to ask you to check for my re-election campaign. That starts today. Uh, what I would tell you, if you're going to get those phone calls and they ask you for money, make them sit, sit down with them. Hold them accountable. Ask them why you support a particular bill. Make, ask them the tough questions. They're accountable to you as a constituent, as a voter, as a donor. You fund those races. Hold them accountable. Ask them, well, I was interested in this bill. Why would you why propose it or support it or so forth? Hold them accountable. They're going to call and ask you for money. You absolutely have a single right to ask that question. And if you don't want to support them or give them money, you can say, hey, I'm a member of the Chamber of Commerce or a member of the AGC. I give to my PAC fund that way. That's a great answer, too. I give to my organization and trade group, so you don't have to write a personal check for that. Um, so like, we do have this. We have our BISPAC, which is our bipartisan uh, committee at the Chamber of Commerce. Our government affairs committee are bringing all the legislators in over the next 18 months. 
doing a lot of answering that has to be done. The chamber is a bipartisan organization. We're proud of that. We're 111 years old. We're the largest and one of the oldest business organizations in the state of Nevada. But there's a lot of conversations that are going to occur between now and next November about folks in the relationship with the business community. The business community is not the enemy. We, are, we create the jobs, we hire the employees, we, allow, we put them to work, we want them to be successful in their careers. And there is this general misconception, I think, in Carson City that employers are the criminals. And that is a concern from the Chamber of Commerce. We're not the bad guys. We're here because we want to do the right thing. A lot of you have been involved with Chamber Boards, involved with other trade groups. Our folks do the right thing time and time again. Our folks are allowed to pay themselves. They're allowed to take care of their payments. They try constantly to do the right thing. So when you're having meetings with legislators, ask them their perspectives on any issue, education, transportation, business, but make sure you grill them and ask them this question. That's your wise vote. Um, and if you guys have any questions, of course, you know, feel free to contact the Chamber of Commerce. We're always available. We're here uh, July, August, when it gets to 115 degrees. It gets a little chilly. But uh, you know, we're here for you if you guys have any questions. So thanks so much. Oh, yes, of course. I just recently moved my, my business from Massachusetts to uh, Nevada, and I'm wondering whether you benchmark the logistical and government burdens between the states. I was shocked to find, although my taxes are lower here, the administrative burden in terms of interaction with the government is twice the amount it was in Massachusetts. A state corporate charter, a state license, a county license, the business services tax, even though I don't pay it, I have to fill out all the paperwork. That gets only into approval I have a business on my own. And that professional license from the uh, state board, it's the, the amount of, of interactions I'm having with the government and the fees associated with it are, are crushing for a one person's own business. No, that's a great, that's a great question, a great point. That's absolutely true. That's one of the reasons why we were fully committed to state capital and also low government. We know there's, you get, you get the same fees. When you go down to local, you have to get your business license in the local government. We try to make sure in all our meetings, we try to keep as low as possible. But you're absolutely correct. And there is that there is that trend in Carson City to continue increasing those fees. That's why the Chamber of Commerce opposed all those bills. Because we, we want you to come to Nevada. We want you to incorporate here. We want you to do business. But there's this misperception that, well, California does it. I've grown up here. I can tell many of you probably from California and so forth. We used to joke in state capital. California does it. It means we don't do it. Now it's, oh, the crowd where does it? Let's do it. That's not the way to do this. Paul, I have yes. a few questions. Uh, number one, when I first moved here in 1953, Clark County had about 60,000, 70,000 people. The big gorilla in the state was Washoe County. Now, am I correct that the assembly works similar to our House of Representatives by people? Yes. So today, does Clark County control the assembly just by sheer vote? I'm not talking about sure. Republicans and Democrats. Right. That's a great question. So 63 legislators, 42 are from Southern Nevada. So in theory, the members are from the of the South. Um, unfortunately, though, sometimes Southern Nevada legislators don't work well together. That's why we have Southern Nevada board to get them more educated. But by raw number, yes, there are more representatives from Southern Nevada than Northern Nevada. And what about the Senate? How does that Same work? thing. Breakdown is the same. So there's a majority county. Yep. So it's yes. by county? Yes, by county. And by, uh, it's by population, by districts. So there are more senators and assembly members from Southern Nevada than North Oh, so Southern Nevada could really is a big gorilla in the state. Right. Out of the 63 legislators, 42 come from Southern Nevada. Out, okay. So two thirds. Okay. Another question is uh, our state has really grown. Uh, we're over, you know, Clark County alone is 2 million people. Uh, are they
they considering going from biennial sessions to annual sessions, and what is the take on speaking amendment? Sure. So that's a great question. There was another measure. There's always a measure every single session um, to move into an annual process. There would be a constitutional change, uh, but that measure did not move forward. How, how close are we to I think we're still probably, honestly, probably a decade away from that movement. What taxes were increased and where was the chamber on this issue? Uh, there were, the only new tax increase was the marijuana excise tax of 10%, and the industry wanted that particular tax. There were any other tax proposals did not move forward, and the chamber did not support any tax increase in this session. But the industry, marijuana wanted, they wanted to be taxed. They wanted to be legitimized and they wanted to be taxed. So, it, so when the industry wanted to be taxed, we deferred that. So. <laughs> and they already made it 500000 500, dollars per state of taxation. Of course. Amazing. So, Bob. Paul, as always, you do a great job. 2018 is going to be a bloody election in the state of Nevada. Any, any kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't even know if people understand how many people are running and, and, uh, and running. So, how are you going to dig in for 2018? Well, first, Justin and I are going to get some new helmets. Uh, <laughs> and some armor. Now, what I would recommend is, it's super early, right? It's July, July 6th. You know, I know Jackie Rosen announced this morning she's running for Senate. That's great. But you as the voter, you have about 18 months to come educate on the issues, ask the tough questions, and just because somebody's asking for money, don't do it right away. I would I would hold back, get the folks. And the Chamber of Commerce, we don't do endorsements until filing closes. So until March, the Chamber will not make any endorsements before that. And you as physicians do the same thing. Get these people, talk to them, go to their events, find out what they stand for. Just don't do it because, oh, hey, they're Republican or hey, they're Democrat. Real I would absolutely do that. So that's my advice. Know who you're voting for, Republican or Democrat, or Libertarian or Independent. Uh, so just a quick question yes. regarding the taxes. So are you suggesting that property taxes are going to be recalculated similar to California, where every time a property is sold, that it's reevaluated based on that sales price? Is that what that computation that's is? That's my understanding of it. Um, that, so that's why, yes, it's my understanding. We reset every, except for, I believe, the way it's wrapped right now, unless it's like a personal family transfer, um, so let's say you sold it to Howie, then yes, we'll reset, we'll reset. So instead of being the current replacement value, it's what you can create. Yes. So they're not going to go in. So right now, taxes are reassessed every December. You get, well, you get tax bills in December, and uh, bills become effective in July. So, But there's a 3% cap and an 8% Correct. cap on investment property. So are they suggesting that they're going to pull back those caps as well? They are, they've put in the language of protections for low-income seniors and so forth. Justin, do you remember the three-year agents in there? I don't think it is. <laughs> Maybe the people who like California should just move their butts right back. That's not the thing. As long as they leave their money in the casino, they're okay with that. Maybe one more question. So last night I had dinner with a fellow who's uh, second generation family owned business in Southern California. They've begun moving their operations. The catalyst for them coming to Southern Nevada was primarily because we, one of the components that they manufacture is illegal in California. Okay. Which in California that could be concealed toothpaste. <laughs> that being said, they got over here, set it up, they're loving it here. But what I noted in this conversation, and you kind of alluded to, he was so ecstatic about how little challenges there are for him to open a business here. Mm -hmm. It was very 
rather, it was relative to his experiences in California. And the fees that he was talking about seemed minimal or de minimis to him. But in my conversation, I'm like, okay, this sounds good to you, but for us, this is too much. And you pointed this out when you brought up the fact you were from Massachusetts and you come over here and it's like suddenly you've got these extraordinary little nickel and dime fees that just beat you up every month. Um, so my point is, we've got all these businesses that move here from California for a number of reasons. Right. And relative to what they've experienced, this seems like a bargain. Well, we need to educate them that it might be a bargain, but we still need to continue to legislate to repress it to keep us from having to pay these numerous fees every year to where one LLC ends up costing you $1,300 after you get done with all of the little nickel No, you're absolutely right. And, and, and I should have been, and I know we were out of time, but all those bills I'm talking about were all opposed. They're all coming back in the next session. Those legislators are bringing those bills back. And the Chamber of said, we will fight you again. So, I mean, your, I mean, what we ask from the business committee of everybody in the room is be engaged. You have to, your voice has to be heard. So it's either participating through the Chamber, through NAOP, through AGC. It doesn't matter what trade group you're involved with. Be involved. Your voice as Nevada employers and business owners absolutely matters. And that's the most important thing you could do. And it costs nothing to send an email to a legislator or make a phone call. That's the one great thing about Nevada's legislative process. We are a citizen's legislator. You can call up any senator or assemblyman or woman and tell them a piece of your mind. And they'll take the phone call because they want your vote. So definitely make that phone call. Do that social media tweet. Be engaged. And if you want to know how to get more engaged, the Chamber of Commerce is happy to you know, be a resource for you. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference. <laughs>